0: It is uh, my honor and my joy to be uh, back with you. I love your Bishop and his family uh, and and I know that um, you guys have already taken a few moments to acknowledge them and to celebrate them and to honor them uh, and I just want to take a moment and do the same thing. I know that these days for me were always awkward. I hated being brought up before the people and uh, people to say uh, all kinds of things and, and it, it just it 's a little bit awkward and makes you a bit uncomfortable. Uh, but definitely uh, we, we understand the principle that we are encouraged by the word of the Lord to give honor to those who are due honor. And um, the office of the bishop and standing behind uh, the pulpit and declaring life and preaching uh, is just a small portion of what uh, these guys have to deal with on a daily and on a weekly Basis, this is not an easy job. Most people who are uh, pastoring churches were tricked into it by God. Because had God told us how the folks were going to do us, uh, y'all ain't saying nothing. I, I've walked this road for 20 years. I know what I'm talking about. Had God had told me what people would do to me, I, I'd be working as a greeter at Walmart. Because this is not easy. And uh, I am, I am uh, oftentimes, uh, I am sympathetic with uh, pastors because I'm like, oh my God, I would not want to be in your shoes. Uh, more than that, I am empathetic because I have walked this road and I know the uh, spiritual, I know the emotional, I know the mental uh, attacks that come against you and your family and the fact that, that you guys can stand here uh, and at least pretend to be in your right mind is nothing short of miraculous. And so uh, we appreciate you so very much because most of us, if you've not walked this road, have no uh, logical concept of what it is really like uh, to be in his shoes. And every time you have a chance to honor him and his beautiful wife and his incredible family, you should do so. I celebrate you guys. I thank God for you. I love you, and I'm praying for you for real. Uh, you, you don't find you don't find many people uh, like your bishop and his family, and so I am I am grateful for this. I believe I have an assignment for uh, the house today, and, and uh, oftentimes when when I'm asked to come to do things like this, I spend um, the bulk of my time in these settings. Really preaching about that office gift and and what it is to stand here in that position to try to bring some level of awareness uh, to celebrate and honor and and I pray that through the video and through the gifts and the and what I've said that that we we feel that that has been adequately expressed um, because. Uh, the, the, the release of what I want to do actually came at the end when Bishop said, I appreciate the gifts and we appreciate the finances and we appreciate the flowers and the accolades and the videos and all the things that you say. But more than that, uh, we, we would really love for you just to get with the vision of the house and let that be your constant appreciation. Just let's jump in this thing and all follow God together. Follow me as I follow Christ. That would mean the world. And so I want to preach something here uh, today, that I believe uh, is a word in season uh, for this house. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me for a few moments to First Samuel chapter three, and then also Matthew chapter four. First Samuel chapter three and Matthew chapter four. I'm going to be reading it to you out of the New King James Version. Uh, and if you don't have your Bibles, I don't know where you thought you were going. Uh, but it's on the screen for you. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to read down through verse 10. Now, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Watch now. The boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was what? Rare. Rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. So he ran to Eli and said... "Uh, Here I am, for you called me. He said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Speak, for your servant hears. Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is interesting to me that if you have a traditional Bible, the text that I read to you in Matthew 4-4 should be written in red because it is the word of Jesus. It is interesting to me that a, that a man who uh, called himself and is called by God the bread of life would say to people, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Uh, the God that we serve is a speaking God. God does nothing with his hands. He does everything his word. So when God looked at the world that was void and without form, he decided to create uh, what he wanted to see, but he created it with his words. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let us make man in our likeness and after our image, and he made them. Uh, Because God is a creating God, and he does so. With his words, words are powerful. We understand this—the uh, principle of of speaking life and death, and blessing and cursing. We understand that Proverbs says, uh, "You're going to eat your words. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his lips. Whatever you say is going to come upon you." And so, we have to be very careful with the words that we speak. But we also uh, understand that that uh, we have to we have to make sure that we are. Accurately hearing what God is saying so that we can be positioned accurately in the uh, promise, the principles, the precepts, and the potential of God. Because nothing happens without a word. But if you have a word, you cannot be destroyed. Uh, God would say things like this. "I, I will even leverage my word above my name. Whatever I say is going to happen because my word matters and it means something. And Jesus is speaking here to uh, powers, principalities. He's dealing with uh, demonic force, Satan himself. And and uh, there's a challenge there about turning uh, stones into bread and things like that. And, and we understand that the stones are symbolic of building buildings and building uh, people and building altars and building all kinds of things. And Jesus says you cannot live just by bread alone alone or what you have been built on, you've got to understand that in order for you to continue to live, there is a uh, prevailing word or a preceding word that comes from the mouth of God, and rather than just know what God has said, you need to know what God is saying. We read to you an interesting story out of 1 Samuel, and and, uh, it is when we are first introduced to this young prophet. If you understand the life of Samuel, you'll watch him grow uh, to be an incredible, uh, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, incredibly strategic. He is uh, the man who uh, stands and and uh, begins to discern the shifting of the authority between Saul and David. He is the man who shows up at Jesse's house and watches one after one after one come and still say, I, I know you brought everybody that- that's here, but none of these are-, are God's man. There's got to be another one somewhere. He has discernment. He he knows what he's looking at. He knows what he sees. God uses him in a mighty way. But when we are first introduced to him, we find the story that says that there is a young boy by the name of Samuel who is submitted to the headship gift of a man by the name of Eli who is the prophet of God. And he literally lives in the temple. Samuel and Eli live there because it is their task and their duty to make sure that all the functions of the house of God remain intact. And uh, Eli is an aging prophet. Is, his eyes are growing dim. It is symbolic of, of a losing of vision where he can no longer see like he used to see. And God is trying to speak into the next generation. He's trying to speak into the next gift and raise them up because God always raises up the next leader while the first leader is still living. And and so we've got this uh, scenario where it's late at night and Eli has gone to bed and Samuel is laying down in in the temple. And uh, he's laying there and he hears somebody call his name Samuel. The Bible says that he gets up and he runs into the room of Eli who is his spiritual father which a sidebar, the voice of God should sound like the voice of your spiritual father. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. That's why you've got to understand when your bishop is, is, is up here with a microphone in his hand, it's not Brian Matthews talking, it's God talking. Oh, y'all ain't going to help me today. Uh, he, he Brian Matthews might talk to you in the foyer in the parking lot but the moment you step into your gift, the moment you step into your assignment, the moment you step into your anointing, that's God talking. That's why you don't balance your checkbook in church and clean out your pocketbook and write your grocery list and figure out what you got to do because God's talking if we understood that it was the gift of God and the word of God we'd have much more respect for the men and women of God because we've got to understand that God is a speaking God and he still uses his preachers and his prophets and his apostles and his pastors to declare what they said they are in this generation God is talking and so the principle is that that Samuel Hears God, but God sounds like Eli. The better story is Eli sounds like God. You called me. Eli says, No, boy, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down again. And he goes and he lays down. And the second time he hears his name, Samuel does the same thing. He runs into Eli. I know you're getting old. I know you're losing it a little bit. But you called me. No, son. I didn't call you. And then we read something that's incredibly sad. Because the Bible says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither had the word of the Lord been revealed to him. Now watch, he's working in the church. Oh, y'all. He lives in the church and doesn't know God. Uh, Please. I'm trying to behave right here because I, I, I I am still convinced there are people who could live at the church and still not know God. You know everything about church, but you don't know God. I told him yesterday, there's a difference between you knowing the scripture and knowing the word. There's a lot of people that can quote scripture, but they don't know the word because the word is alive. The word is a person. And the word became flesh and dwelt among them. Samuel has been living in the church, serving the Lord before Eli, taking care of the things of God, but he does not know God. Has no relationship with God. Doesn't know, can't discern the voice of God. So the only time he has heard God has been when Eli has spoken. His point of reference for God is through someone else's relationship. Samuel doesn't know what it's like to feel God for himself, to hear God for himself, to have a dialogue with God on his own. Eli begins to perceive that God is talking. And this is a rare occasion because the Bible says that in that particular time, a word from the Lord was rare. It almost reminds you of the times that we're living in now. There's a lot of people that, that, are, that are... Amos said this. This is, this is another thing that's interesting to me. Amos said, in the last days there would come a famine for hearing the word of God. Now, if you don't wrap your mind around that, it'll mess with your head because you understand the time that we live in right now, we have the convenience of Christianity that has never been known on this planet. Uh, You used to have to, I I grew up where you used to have to get up and go to church to hear a preacher. Or you might be able to get uh, a a preacher on a Sunday morning. I grew up watching Rex Humbard. Some of y'all don't even know who that is. But he was the only preacher that came on TV when I was a little boy. And we would watch Rex and Maude Amy. They would sing and he would preach. And then we would go, and uh, every now and then on an AM station, you could pick up a country preacher sending everybody to hell. You wouldn't pass and go. You wouldn't collect $200. You was going straight to hell. But now I, I, can, I can YouTube any preacher I want I can stream it on my computer. I can uh, go to a myriad of Christian television stations. I can find Christian radio stations. I can watch the gospel being preached on my phone. The word of the Lord or the preaching of the, of the uh, gospel is at my fingertips. Yet Amos said, in the last days, he didn't say there would be a famine for preaching. He said there would be a famine for hearing a real word from the Lord. Because we have come to understand that there are many places that are functioning right now on a Sunday morning that get up and preach out of the Bible, but they don't have a word from God. They preach legalism. They preach religion. They preach the letter of the law, which actually kills people. Because they don't have the focus of what the Spirit of God is actually saying. So Eli says this is a moment, this is a kairos, this is an opportunity. Something is different here uh, because God is speaking and there's no widespread revelation and a word from God is rare and he's saying, listen Samuel, God is trying to get to your heart. This is God that's talking to you. I want you to go back and I want you to lay down and I want you to, to say, if you hear that voice again, I want you to say these words. I want you to tell him speak because here I am. And I'm listening. And Samuel went and laid down again. And as at other times, I thank God that he speaks to me more than once. I thank God that he keeps showing up time after time to say, Kevin, I'm trying to get your attention. I thank God that he didn't just stop with the first time, but he was passionate about me. And he pursued me because he had something to say because he knew that his word was going to change everything. And Samuel is laying there waiting. And God shows up again and says, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel says to him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I need to hear what you are about to say. Uh, Let me just run down this road. Uh, It's important for us to understand the, the times that you and I are living in. I want to say to you again that I am convinced that we are in days where a genuine, authentic word from God is rare. I believe the prophecy of Amos is upon us, that there is a famine for hearing what God is saying. I'm not asking you, do you hear messages or sermons or do you listen to preachers? I'm asking you, do you know what God is saying for your life? Have you got a word from God? Because in order for you to be able to please God, you've got to have faith. And the only way you can get faith is faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's not just, faith is not about you believing for a job or a house or a husband or a wife or to get healed or to get pregnant. Faith is knowing that you've got a word from God over your life and as long as you've got a word from God you understand that the house is icing on the cake. The husband, the wife is icing on the cake. The blessing the benefit because it doesn't matter I can live in a box but if I've got a word God can change my situation. I'd rather have a word from God than a huge bank account because if I've got a word I can get some money. I'd rather have a word from God than perfect health. because even if I get sick I yet know the word and the The word can change my circumstances. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if I've got to please God, I've got to have faith. But if I'm going to get faith, I've got to hear a word. Faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. And you can't hear unless you have a preacher, right? So... If faith cometh by hearing, and hearing then comes by the word of God, the next uh, order of transcendence into pleasing God is that I understand I can't be just a hearer of the word of faith, but I must be a doer of what he said. I'm going somewhere, you just got to work with me. Because faith without works it's dead. It's not just enough for you to have the word. You got to do the word that you have. How do I do the word? How do I take my faith and create my future based on what I see in my faith? Because faith has nothing to do with your today or your yesterday faith is for your tomorrow faith is about where you're going it's nothing to do you don't need faith for where you've been but you do need faith for where you're going so in order for me to operate and function in faith I have to do what God does when God gives me a word I have to be able to manifest his word by taking it from the realm of the spirit and placing it into the natural. So what do I do? I hear a word from God. I say to God, I can see what you are saying. So now I I can see what you are saying. I am going to create my future the way that you created. I'm going to use my words of faith. The most simple definition of prophecy, I believe, is this prophecy is simply creating the future with words. Creating the future with words. So, in order for me to change my world, I got to change my words. We're going somewhere. I need you to hear this. In order for me to change my future or change my world, change what I see, I've got to change my words. There's a man walking with Jesus, and he said, I need you to come to my house because things are messed up in my world. My daughter is sick, and she's about to die. But if you come to my house I know you can heal her. And Jesus says fine I'll come to your house. And they start walking. All of a sudden this man says, "Wait, wait, wait. I'm a man who is submitted to authority. I'm a man who has been given authority." I say to this one, go, and he goes. This one, come, and he comes. I understand how authority works, and I realize that in order for those who are submitted to me to do what I need them to do, I don't have to be there for them to do it. I I, I got it. You ain't got to come to my house. If you will speak the word Only. Everything in my house has to change because it's not about uh, you you, you necessarily showing up. It's about the power of your word. So speak the word. That's why the psalmist David said, and he sent his word. He sent his word and he healed them and he delivered them out of all of their destructions. If you knew how powerful the word of God is, you'd stop speaking all the nonsense in your life and start rearing back and say, thus saith the Lord, I will live and not die and declare declare the glory of God I will say of the Lord he is my tower and my refuge he is my rock my shield and my buckler I will declare that if God be for me who can be against me I will declare what shall separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus nakedness famine peril sword nay and all of these things I am more than a conqueror I will say I am what God said I am I am the head and not the tail I'm blessed and not cursed I'm healed and not sick, I'm well, I'm prosperous I'll speak the word he said speak the word only and I know my daughter shall be healed faith teaches us that if there's something I need in my life I don't have to hope that it shows up. I can call it out of the realm of the spirit into the natural. Come on, y'all. Calling those things that be not as though they already were. That's the power of your voice. That's the power of God's word. I don't have to live a life that is one of fate, but I've got faith. I don't have to accept the way things are when I can change them with my words. Everything Jesus does, he models after his father. He says, I got nothing to say till he speaks. But when you hear me speak, that's my father talking. These words are not mine, he was saying. These words are his. A man that was God uh-huh. wouldn't talk until God, until God, talked. God talked. He was, he the, was word, the word, but he wouldn't know about until, until his father said, said something. Power, 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 power. You speak the word over. If if you don't have something, you you call it into existence. There are things that are limiting you, things that are preventing you, things that have you stuck. When you, I thank God for this because whenever I face mountains, I don't have to look for shovels. I say, "Oh, help me, Jesus." I say to this mountain, be removed. And it has to obey. It doesn't have options. There's no argument. There's no contention. I tell mountains to move and they move. I wish I could feel some faith in this house. No, don't 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 patronize me now, you just make me mad. you got to have enough confidence in who God is in you and who you are in God that says when I say something, something's going to happen. I learned that from my daddy. Because my dad uh, was the kind of, uh, we, didn't, we didn't negotiate over what he told us to do. If my dad said, Kevin, take out the trash, that's what's going to happen. That's what's gonna happen. I can either do it right then or I can do it on the heels of a belt. But the trash gonna to get took out by Kevin one way or the other because his word matters. And I grew up in the kind of house where where, where everything was a sin. We didn't go to movies, we didn't go to the and, and so when I was a senior I wanted to go to prom. I wanted to go to my prom a senior. This I ain't asking too much. And I, I, I kind of knew the answer because my dad didn't believe in dancing. He knew it was going to be some dancing at the prom. So I said to him, Daddy, can I, can I take Amy, my, my little girlfriend, to the prom? He said no. Why? Because I said so. That's the end of the conversation right there. That's it. There's no reason for it. Every attempt for me to rationalize or reason or get some understanding at this point is futile because his word is law in that house. He says what he means and he means what he says and he expects. He expects those that are submitted to him to align to his word. If you understood what happened when you came to the cross and Jesus saved your life, not only did He just redeem you, but He placed you back in your rightful authority. He made you magistrates in the realm of the earth where whatever you say goes. And and he gave you the authority to speak and he said, I am going to back you up. He said, as a matter of fact, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven because I am ready to back your word up. I just need you to open up your mouth and speak. Power of his word now the issue becomes that i cannot speak right if i don't hear right because faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god but everything you hear is not a word of faith so you got to be careful what you hear because eventually you'll start saying whatever you 're hearing, catch this now. I cannot speak right, which means I cannot create right if i don 't hear right. I know I look way too young, but i 've got three grandbabies uh, i 've got three, but I only count one. Her name is Marley. I love her the mother too i don 't even i don 't even know them, but Marley is just over a year old and she's starting to talk and I watch my daughter with Marley watch and she teaches her to talk by speaking say mama and Marley is going to develop the accent the tone she's going to sound like where she's from Jesus, I hope you 're catching this on a way deeper level than than, than than it feels like because you can go to different places in our nation, and people 's accent will give them away it 's it's easy to discern a Long Islander because their accent is different. You go way down in the country, south Georgia, where i 'm from. And people start talking about where they live over yonder. I reckon if you run to here, you just know that their country, that they were raised that that atmosphere. And, and I want to tell you that you got to be so careful who you listen to in this season because if you don't hear right, you're not going to speak right. And if you don't speak right, it's going to mess up your future. And so if people aren't speaking what God is saying, you need to cut them off and stop listening to anything that's not a word from God. Because I cannot talk right if I don't hear right. And if I don't hear right, I can't do what's right. Now I'm getting ready to preach. I had to say all that to bring you here Jesus said Bishop in Matthew 4, 4 "Man men shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God what Jesus is saying is that God has not stopped speaking He's still speaking and if you want to live, you've got to live by the next word that God is going to say because every word, catch this right here, please catch this, every word that God speaks is sovereign until the next word. You can either die by what God said or you can live by what God is saying. Well, wait a second, Kevin. It sounds like you're saying that God will change his mind. That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, had I said that in the church I grew up in, they'd have snatched the microphone out of my hand and labeled me a heretic. Because the God that we serve never changed his mind. Oh, it's quiet now. Okay. Moses, you got all these people and they need water. I want you to strike the rock. And when you strike the rock, I'm going to give them water. So Moses follows the instructions of God. He smites the rock with the rod, Aaron's rod that budded, that represented the miracle-working power of God, and water comes gushing out. Brings life to millions of people. But now that they're getting to transition into a new season, God is getting ready to stretch his faith, and he says, I need to teach you, Moses. The power's not in the rod. The power's in your obedience and my word. So I want to change the way that I did it In this next season, from my last season, and I don't want you to strike the rock because the Bible teaches us, just a little sidebar here, the Bible teaches us that the rock that followed them was Christ, and he was only to be smitten once of men. So he says to him, he says, Now that you need water, I want to take your faith to a new level, so I want you to speak to the rock. But Moses is so religious, Moses is so traditional, Moses is so locked into what worked last time that he can't change in his faith. He can't understand that God will change his mind. And so he strikes the rock and the problem, here's the problem. The problem is that it worked. It worked for everybody but Moses. Because God says, I cannot let all these other people die because of your disobedience. But I can tell you this, I cannot trust you in the promised land to be obedient. Because you don't know how to shift when I shift. You don't know how to hear what I just said. You're so locked into what I said yesterday, you can't hear for what I'm saying tomorrow. So Moses, it was a death sentence. He died in the wilderness, never tasting the goodness of the promise simply because he could not wrap his head around the fact that God changed his mind. Abraham, watch now. Abraham, take your son, your only son. Now, we we know that, that Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Take your son, your only son. Why? Because God never looks at your mistakes, only your miracles. Oh, help me, Jesus. He doesn't even acknowledge the fact that Ishmael exists. He's not, lo- he's not focused in on the wrongs of Abraham. He's looking at the right. Take your son, your only son that you love. Take him to the top of Mount Moriah and sacrifice and prove that you are fully committed to me. Abraham grabs some servants, grabs some donkeys, gets the wood, gets the knife, gets the fire, gets Isaac, and they ride to the foot of the hill. And watch what Abraham does. The progenitor of faith, the father of our faith, creates his future with his words at the bottom of the hill. He says, I'm going up to this mountain To sacrifice my son, but the lad and I will return. Oh, good God Almighty. He prophesied his outcome in spite of his information, because all he knew was he was going to kill the boy, but he knew somehow he was coming back alive. They're walking up the hill. And Isaac says, dad, we've got the wood, you've got the knife, you've got the fire, but where is the lamb? Abraham creates his future. He says, don't worry about that, Isaac. Somehow, God will provide the lamb that we need. I'm not going to wait until I've got the lamb in my hand. I'm going to go to the top of this mountain. I'm going to expect that God is going to have my provision waiting for me. And he walks all the way up there. And you know the story. He grabs his son. He ties him up. He lays him on the altar. And he lifts the knife over his son Isaac. And then and only then does God say, Abraham... Stay thy hand. Oh, Jesus. Most religious people would have killed Isaac on the altar because, bless God, God told me to do it. Many a father would have sacrificed their promise and called it obedience to God because they did not know how to hear what God was saying next. Had Abraham Lived by the last thing God had said, Isaac dies. But because he can hear the preceding word, Isaac lives. Oh, let me give you this, because this is what what the saints like to do. The saints love when they have a word for you. They like to, if it's a real word from God, they like to say these, these four words. Thus saith the Lord. Now I'm supposed to believe you when you say that. Thus saith the Lord. There's a man by the name of Hezekiah that gets a, thus saith the Lord. I mean, this is a sovereign word from God. Thus saith the Lord, Hezekiah, get your house in order. You are going to die. Oh, I hope you're ready for this right here. Hezekiah, watch now. Hezekiah says, I don't like that word. That doesn't feel good in my spirit. I'm not willing to accept that. Oh, Jesus. I hear you, but I can't receive that. No, Lord. And Hezekiah started praying and started interceding and turned his face to the wall, and God said, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to give you a fresh word. And not only are you not going to die, die I'm going to add 15 years to your life I'm just trying to tell you if you hear something you don't like you don't have to accept it there is a level of intercession and prayer there is a level of heart to heart with God where God will give you a new word that transcends your last word and what was spoken over you as death can be turned into life with the power of his word Because every word from God is sovereign until the next word. Let me tell you why I preach uh, this this morning, why I feel like it's a word for this house. Because God is bringing us into seasons where we have to understand that our God is talking to us, not about our yesterday, not even about what's happening, but God's trying to talk to us about what's coming Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I've got a million things I'd love to tell you. So many things I'd love to share with you. I, I've got, I've, there's so much revelation. There's so much truth I want to talk to you about. But I, I can't share it with you because you can't handle it. unless you have the spirit of truth, unless you have the Holy Spirit, I can't tell you what I really want to tell you because it's going to sound too good to be true and you're going to think I'm lying. And I can't can't let you receive my word of faith as a lie. So I've got to put a spirit of truth in you because I'm getting ready to tell you things that are unbelievable. Then watch what he says. He says... There's there's a, a spirit that's coming. It's going to testify of me. And when you receive the spirit of truth, he will begin to show you things to come. God's not trying to talk to you about what has happened. God's not even trying to talk to you about what's happening. God's trying to tell us what's about to happen because he's putting a mandate on us to create our future with words. And, and so I would refuse to stand up and, and talk about uh, who's, who's not here. I would talk about who's coming I wouldn't even worry about a pew that's empty. I would speak and say, you're going to fill up in Jesus' name. I would talk about the the different nationalities and races and people groups that are beginning to come. I would start talking about the finances that are going to roll in. I would start talking about the enhancement of the media and the arts department and the music. I would start prophesying that God is going to send us people from every tribe and every nation, that God is going to raise up a generation of people in this house who would do the work of God that this would be an apostolic epicenter for teaching and training the people of God. I would start declaring that those that are for us are more than those that are against us and if God be with us we can do all things. I would start prophesying everything that I want to see that this is a house of power this is a house of healing this is a place of hope, this is a place of salvation, this is a place of divine alignment, this is a place where God speaks, this is a house where God dwells, this is a place where miracles are commonplace this is a place where lives are changed and transformed i'm creating my future with words i'm going to speak and it's going to show up whatever i say goes because i said so if you believe it somebody say yes Yes. Woo! help me jesus Help me, Jesus. I prophesy that they're coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I prophesy that life everlasting is coming. I prophesy that extreme joy and powerful glory is dwelling in this place. We call it in Jesus' name. In Revelation chapter 4. Dad, Revelation chapter 4 uh, John, on the island of Patmos, on the rock of insanity, a man who has been banished to an island that has no vegetation, no no way to preserve life. It is uh, filled with the most insane criminals of the day. Whenever they couldn't kill you or do something with you, they would put you on Patmos. And and it is said of theologians that on Patmos, Patmos men would literally bash their heads against the jagged rocks to try to kill themselves, to take them out of their misery. It was called, in some cases, the rock of insanity. But even in a crazy place, John still had the wherewithal to say, and I was in the spirit on the Lord. I don't care how crazy your life is. If you want to find God, you can find him. He'll show up in the middle of your praise every time he begins to receive the greatest revelation of his life in the craziest place he's ever been. Oh, that's a word for somebody right there. The greatest revelation comes in the craziest place. He starts writing to the churches. The only church he does not have a rebuke for is the church of Philadelphia, the church who loves each other. people that love each other and he says you know what because you love each other I'm going to give you the key of David I know I'm preaching too long but I'm gonna preach till I'm done all right I'm just gonna preach till I'm done but I give you the key of David psalmetic prophetic worship but to give you the key of David because it's the key of David that that kingship key that heart of God key that unlocks doors. It opens doors that men can't shut. And it shuts doors that men can't open. And I'm going to give the keys to the church that loves each other. The moment he gave the keys, John then said, when the key showed up, watch now, when the key showed up, the door showed up. He didn't find the door and then look for the key. He got the key and then the door appeared. Oh, help me, God. Revelation chapter 4, he said, Behold, I looked in the heavens the door was open. And I heard a voice that sounded like a trumpet. The trumpet is a call to worship or a call to warfare. It is a prophetic declaration that you need to either come and worship or you need to come and get ready for war. He said, I heard a voice that sounded like a trumpet. And the voice said, Come up here and I will show you things to come. Show you things to come. We have to start talking about what's coming. It's a difficult place to be because a lot of people who come to church... Expect us to talk about what's happening. They need answers to what's going on in their life in real time. And so we get locked into catering many times to the crowd by preaching news. Messages, reporting what's going on rather than prophesying our future. And it, it messes with the heads of the saints because many saints are like Moses, they don't know how to hear the next word. So they get locked into the things like that. Well, Bishop, I thought you said that these people were sent by God. Well, they were, and then God sent them on. So you can either die by the last word, or you can live by the next word. Because, yeah, in that season, that is what God said. But we got a new word. That was then. This is now. Well, I, well, I thought you said that this person was anointed to do this, they were in that season. But now the grace for that has gone, and they've had to be released, because God has a new word, because I can't live by what God has said. I need to know what God is saying. And rather than conform to what I had, I've got to create what I want. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And I can't afford to let them or it stay like it was and call it good or call it God because I understand that it wasn't working for me and it wasn't working for God. And so I've got to let that go so I can step into the next level of faith. And I've got to not smite the rock this time. I've got to speak. And I'm going to create what I want with my words. And you ought to be eternally grateful that that is the kind of house and the kind of man that God has given you. Because in churches like this, and I know churches like this because I grew up in places like this. In churches like this, you you can uh, be so distracted by what other people are saying that you miss a word from God. Because if I stand up here one Sunday and say, God said he wants us to change and start church on Tuesday nights, but then I show up Tuesday and say, God said we're going back to Wednesday. You got to learn to understand that maybe God just wanted me to give him Tuesday as my Isaac so he could give me back Wednesday. Oh, Jesus. Well, Bishop, I thought you said this. He, he did. But now there's something new. Well, you know, I, I'm not getting a whole lot, but I'll tell you one thing right there. i tell you this right now. I know I'm right today. I, I know I'm right today. It's a lot of times. It's a lot. I preach a lot of messages where I walked away, and I'm like, I don't know if I was on today. I know I'm right today because God's about to put this house in an even more uncomfortable place. Y'all, 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 quiet. But it's, going to, it's, it's changing in the way that it's been uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable because there's been too much chatter, too much noise, and too much talking, and too much trying to explain, and too much trying to figure stuff out, and oh, what happened to this one, and what happened. To, and I don't, know, I don't know everything that's going on. I live in Puerto Rico. God, I can, I can take, get you some good rice and beans now. I know where that is, but I don't know what's happening here. And I know I'm right. And I know you got to shut down every voice that's speaking in your ear and the things that you're hearing in this season that's not God. And I know that you ain't going to talk right if you don't hear right. And listen, and here's the thing if you keep talking wrong, you're going to keep getting wrong. People blame everything on the devil, the reason why. You know, you're the, the devil ain't got nothing to do with your world being messed up. Words have messed up your world. My Bible still says, not that I should say what I have, but I can have what I say. Hmm. So if I'm going to have what I say, then I understand what I have right now. It's manifestation of what I said in my last season. So if I don't want to change the outcomes, if I don't want to change and, and create what I want, i got to say what God is saying. In the uncomfortable place I believe that God has come, will you please come play because i got to find a place to stop and I can't find one for real. I don't know where I'm supposed to stop today. The uncomfortable place I believe that God is going to move you into is, is moving you into, I, I believe, Bishop, a very strong, uh, pr- probably the strongest prophetic dimension that you guys have ever functioned in in the seven years that you've been here. Seven's an interesting number. Seven's an interesting number. It's perfect completion, it's a closing of a chapter. It's the end of a cycle. It's when God takes you out of one day and brings you into the next. When the seven years is up, let me say this to you. In in the seven years, uh, you've had a lot of tribulation. Tribulation is seven years. through a lot of help through a lot of challenges had to deal with a lot of setbacks a lot of letdowns a lot of opposition a lot of, a lot of things like that a lot of words but I'm declaring over your life and over your family that the time of tribulation is coming to an end and that God is bringing you to an eighth day a new beginning David's a different king than any other king that Israel has ever had. So when... (laughs) Man, I can't find no place to stop. Jesse shows up at Samuel's... Samuel shows up at Jesse's record. Because the word of the Lord has come to him. The next king of Israel is living house of Jesse he's gone down to Judah he said Jesse get your boys together there's a king living in your house Jesse has eight sons but he only calls seven of them to the ceremony he leaves David out He's ostracized. Nobody sees him. Nobody knows there. He's not even invited to the celebration. Samuel has a ram's horn that's filled with anointing oil because he's getting ready to call into existence the next king. And so the eldest, the one that you would expect, comes. Stands before Samuel. Samuel looks at him and says, You you, you look like you fit the profile, you're the firstborn, good looking, tall, head and shoulders, you got everything line, you dress nice, you smell good, you look good, you probably are the king, and he lifted up that horn of oil, but the oil wouldn't flow. The oil had more discernment than the prophet. The oil stayed. He said, that's not it. So he moved him and said, maybe this guy has some issues. Maybe there's something going on with him. The second son comes. The oil stayed. The third son, the oil stayed. Let me just say this to you. You don't ever have to be jealous over anybody else's anointing. Because your oil knows your name. And nobody can ever get your oil. Your oil will not flow until you get in your place. But once you get in your place, your oil will flow. He went through all of them. He went through seven sons. And the oil wouldn't flow. And he said, I know I didn't miss it. I know I heard God. There's a king in your house. Is there another son? Yeah, but he really ain't all that much. It's kind of crazy. He's always hanging out there with sheep, and every time we roll up on him, he's running and dancing and singing and playing harps, and he's a bit odd. He's a bit strange. And God says, I want him. Because of his heart, I'm not interested in what it looks like. I'm not interested in does he fit the profile. I'm not interested in what people think about him. Maybe, maybe he's a bit eccentric. Maybe he doesn't fit the profile of what all the expectations are. But man looks on the outside, but I'm God. I'm looking at his heart. He brought the eighth son poured oil on his head he blessed him and he released him now David didn't step into the throne the next day but what Samuel did was he created his future with his words Bishop I hear God saying start declaring what you want not what you had not what is going on but start speaking what you want that's going to be uncomfortable to some of the hearers because as hearers, we, we, we feel like we need to know, tell me about what's going on, what's going on. No, 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 no. God's going to start telling you what's about to happen. And save you have the spirit of truth, it's going to be unbelievable. I'm telling you. You're going to need the Holy Spirit to receive what God's about to say in this season because what is going to be said is not going to be seen until after it is said. There are some people that when you stand to preach and declare and prophesy in this next season, they'll think you're lying. It's nothing to do with you. The issue's with them. Keep prophesying anyway. I think I preached that one time here about the cloud. Elijah said, I hear the sound of the goodness of rain. He said to the servant, go look. The servant goes and says, it's not there, nothing there. He said, go look again. He goes and looks a second time, there's nothing there. Third time, nothing there. Elijah says, I'm not going to change my prophecy just because you can't see what I'm saying. I'm going to keep prophesying until a cloud shows up because I know what I heard and faith comes by hearing and hearing by a word of God. And if I need a cloud to show up, I got to say, I hear the sound of rain. And he just kept speaking over and over. Go look again, go look again, go look again, go look again. Don't change your prophecy just because a servant can't see what you're saying. Keep speaking until it shows up. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right here. I believe that our heart in the heart of this house needs to be in this season. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. It's not that I don't care, but it's that I can't live by what you said to me yesterday. I need a fresh word. I can't get stuck, wrapped up in everything that's going on and everything that's happening. I can't live like that. <laughs> I need a preceding word I know what you said to me yesterday I need a fresh word I need fresh perspective I need fresh insight because if you don't speak to me I die where am I going to go where am I going to go you have the words of life I'll die without you that's why his disciples said where are we going to go we can't leave because every time you talk I live Father in the name of Jesus I pray for strong prophetic anointing in this next season to create the future with words we will not be locked in to what you said and die by that but we will live by what you are saying Release the preceding word that's coming from your mouth. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Give us the ability to receive that word by faith and believe it no matter how difficult it might be. Whether it seems irrational, illogical, or unbelievable, grant unto us the gift of faith in this season to believe the impossible. To know that you said it and if you said it you're going to do it, that you're faithful and just to perform your word. I thank you that whatever is said prophetically with this house that your word will not return void but it will accomplish everything that it is sent to do. So in this next season I pray that you would shift this house sovereignly. Out of where we have been into where we are going. In the authority of Jesus' name, sever every lying, deceptive tongue and spirit that is trying to get us caught up uh, in, in hearing things that we don't need to hear and give us the ability to hear words that come from you and you alone that build our faith and guarantee our life. We thank you for this house of God. We thank you for this man of God. We pray that you would give him the ability in this season like never before to hear what you are saying and create the future that both you and he desires in this place, for this people, for your ultimate glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now give God some